Yeah? Mm-hmm. Ready to go? Yep. Good? Good and relaxed? I mean, as relaxed as you can be with a fucking microphone. Right. Your face. <laughs> this is Women Who Start Up Radio, podcasting from the Mile High City, Denver, Colorado. With 300 days of sunshine, the highest percentage of high school and college graduates in the nation, lots of women entrepreneurs, and more microbreweries than any other U.S. city. Women Who Start Up Radio brings you knowledge, insight, and inspiration from women entrepreneurs and founders. Here are your hosts, Lizelle Van Buren, founder of Women Who Start Up and CEO of Effectively, and Krista Morgan, co-founder and CEO of P2B Investor. How are you, Lizelle? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? You know, I am great today. Great. Good. I want to say hello to our listeners. I feel like we always forget to say hello to our listeners. Like we, we kick off and then we're like, hey, how are you? How are you? <laughs> hey, how are you out there listening wherever you may be. Well, and they are important. I actually got a text this weekend from someone who said, Krista, I'm listening to the podcast and I can't wait to start my next business. Oh, I know. And I thought that I can't make this stuff up. (laughs) (laughs) We do say shit a lot. I can't make this shit up. I'm trying to censor myself, Lizelle. I know. So yeah. And I got this text and then we were talking about various different things and it was awesome. And I felt like that was the best feedback I could have gotten. I think it's pretty spot on. I mean, that's the inspiration we want to provide, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. So it's episode four. We're sitting here in sunny Denver, Colorado. It's a beautiful spring day. It's not too shabby outside. And we do have a theme for this episode, finding and creating happiness. I don't see how we can go wrong with that. I think that is the best theme. I feel very happy this week. So I have many things to say on the subject. All right. Tell me about your week. Well, two really big things happened this week. Number one, we kicked off our first venture capital raise. So PWI, we've been angel funded and we we announced a big milestone uh, last week and we decided let's just go out and actually raise institutional money. And the process of... Getting there has been really hard and, frankly, really terrifying because I am literally sending cold emails to huge venture capital firms whose names you see on every fancy-schmancy press release, and some of them are, like, emailing me back. They are – they're emailing me back, and they're saying things like, Krista, congratulations on all your success. We'd love to meet up with you. Right. And I think I was so nervous – that they, um, I was so, I was so nervous that they would reject me and some of them have, Mm -hmm. but I was so nervous about that. And now like the elation I feel (laughs) that someone like this mountain off your back. Yeah. Uh And I'm so proud. I'm just, I'm proud and I'm excited and I feel really happy. And, uh, last week was kind of a tough week. So this week I'm enjoying the high on the roller coaster of entrepreneurial life. Well, congratulations. I mean, I'm very excited. I mean, I've been listening in, right, as you've been throwing out the hustle at the world (laughs) in the fintech, you know, uh, space, which is, you know, not that prone to have uh, female leaders. So good on you. Um, knock them dead. Are you saying publicly yet, like how much you're raising? What, what, no, we're not going to no, talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's more, it's more than five and less than 10. Got it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and who knows in the end, you don't know. You actually, when you go out and raise from VCs, I didn't know this, but you just sort of, you, you say, this is how much I think I'd like. You don't talk about valuation. You don't really talk about any of that. You just right. start having meetings and you wait for them my understanding is because I had um, I had lunch with the the people at Craftsy. I think yep. we talked about yeah, that last John. time. Yeah, and the advice he gave me was sort of like you just go out there and you tell them about your company, and they they'll know kind of what your expectations are because of where we are in the grand scheme and of our been company. Doing that. For some time now. This is what they do. So, yeah. So, I actually have no idea what it'll end up being. But So, okay. Earlier, you, you mentioned, and this will just be a quick side note, but I thought it was important because you said it's been frightening yeah. for you to cold email a lot of these big VCs, right? Um, tell me just, like, a little bit about that. Is it because – why? Why so afraid? Well – I I mean, it's normal, of course. I just want to know for you. Yeah. I think you just, you know, you're looking at this email that I have 
crafted with the whole team. You know, it's like four sentences that will hopefully kind of change our lives, you know, grab someone. And, um, and I don't know, you're just like, I just want people to like me, Lizelle. And I, (laughs) (laughs) and I, I know it's like a fatal flaw and and you just, and and you just feel like someone's be reading that your email and they're going to be like, Oh, whatever. Like, you know, fuck this girl. Like, I'm not going to answer. Like, what does she know? What has she done? And so our insecurities, like, yeah, there's a lot of insecurities when it comes to being entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Um, we want to put things out there in the world that we believe in that we're working hard at and we need to get that in front of other people and uh, trying to craft an email that's attention grabbing and doesn't make a vc go archive or delete or spam yeah (laughs) is um is a is a daunting act i know i've done it um you have to think about your words you have to do a little bit of a do a little bit of research um i think when you uh I guess this is a side note. If you're going to start crafting a list of folks that you want to target via email when it comes to um, that introductory email, that high level, hey, this is what I'm up to. Maybe you're interested. I'm looking for cash. And that's a tough, that's a tough email. You know, that's tough. So, you know, um, way to go. Thank you. Thank you. And so, yeah, I didn't know we were going to talk about how to craft a really good fundraising email, but seeing that that's fresh um, you know, in your mind, couple of tips for the listeners, a couple of tips on how to craft a, an email that grabs attention for a potential angel or VC. Well, number one, keep it short. My email was maybe four, four or five sentences. Uh, we thought a lot about what I was going to lead with because that, you know, you can see the email blurb. So I wanted them to open it. And I think we said something like last week we did a really big announcement. We hit this huge milestone. Uh, you know, this is a great thing in our industry. Mm-hmm. And then we said, here's one sentence about what we do. Here's another sentence about some more traction that we've had. And then I actually dived right into revenue. We've had this much trailing 12 revenue, and this is our forward looking 12 revenue. And I actually put the ask in it and said, we are looking for our first institutional partner. Yep. And we would like, you know, we know that you invest in fintech. And we would love to talk to you, tell you more about our story and see if we'd be a fit. And then I actually gave them some dates because for us in Denver, you know, us Denver folks have to travel to San Francisco and New York. So I said, I will be in San Francisco on these dates. I would love to meet up. I attached a 10 slide deck. Yep. And actually made sure it was exactly 10, exactly 10 slides, including my cover and my thank you slides. God textbook. I know 10 slides and the copy of the press release with the announcement that went out. And I have, we, I have sent out, that's the other thing I've sent out 50 emails and you know, when you're sending out 50, you forget after a while and you're just like, I don't care if someone doesn't answer like, yeah. And, and then the people, uh, and we put, um, Aaron made me put Sig- Sidekick by HubSpot. So I have this plugin that's tracking whether people read them and it's actually driving me a bit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Statistics is not always our friend. No. It makes us a little kooky. Yeah. <laughs> but no, some really big names have come back and it's really exciting. So I will have great. tons of updates over the next, yeah. hopefully, eight to ten weeks as we, uh, you know, I hope we close our first VC round. Like, what an achievement. And I have no doubt that you will. So... Excellent. I'm not going to say, you know, I'm just going to say break a leg, you know, like they say in the, in the movies, break a leg. Cause you don't want to say the GD. You don't want to say good bull. Cause that's not what it takes, right? It just takes good hard work. So right before this, um, actually great prep for this podcast. I was actually at a luncheon. I was invited by SVB who we love and are big supporters of startups. And it was for the gals school. Have you come across this? This is girls for athletic leadership schools. And it's a public school in Denver charter school that is girls only Mm -hmm. they middle school and they're just launching high school where the whole focus is to get to like integrate athletics and movement into the into the academic curriculum and huh. they are seeing some amazing successes and uh, it was it was a room it had at the Ritz Carlton was their annual fundraising luncheon that I mm-hmm. got invited to 
And it was this room full of amazing women. The mayor of Denver was there. Like all of these people supporting women and talking about girls. And, you know, it was just, it was so inspiring. And we had uh, Dominique Christina, who is this awesome author and poet and activist, did, um, she does poetry and and kind of performance poetry. Mm. And she went through three of poems which were unbelievable and this one line really stood out for me and she said praise the miracle and the mess mm-hmm. of women cool. and i just love that really resonates yeah yeah that's cool so this was yesterday today this like was today an hour ago oh yeah. okay that's why <laughs> i was wondering if that was the event that was so inspiring and that that's it, right? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. And just uh, reminds me that we're not just here to get, you know, women into, like, we want to inspire more women to be entrepreneurs. And then you have other people who are inspiring girls and, you know, getting them to be leaders in their community and become entrepreneurs. And just made me proud of what we're doing. Proud to, and proud to be part of a community. There are so many other amazing women who are out there mm-hmm. leading organizations yep. with similar goals. Yep. That's awesome. So, Lizelle, how has your week been? I want to hear about it. Um, it's been a good week. It's been an interesting week. Um, we had an incredible Women Who Startup event this uh, month. We had uh, Cheryl Kelland from Be A Sport was our guest. It was just really amazing. Uh, quite frankly, collectively, uh, in the two years that I've been doing Women Who Startup, these base camps or these monthly meetings or events it was good man it it moved people um because she helped me explore what i try to really tell a lot of entrepreneurs which is it's not a straight line it will never be a straight line it's a squiggly messy you know sometimes thin you're feeling squeezed sometimes wide there's lots of options and opportunity it's just not a straight line and so it's interesting uh, Cheryl's life was not a straight line, and her last 20 years of her career wasn't a straight line. So that was very interesting. And we really touched on um, failure quite a bit. Mm. So one of the things I wanted to very quickly touch on is failure and depression and anxiety when it comes to entrepreneurs. So that's something interesting I've been thinking a lot about. As an entrepreneur, you experience it. You just do. Um, yesterday, I sat and I listened to um, this incredible podcast by reboot and the guy his name is jerry colonna yesterday i sat and i listened to um one of his episodes episode 13 is called you are not alone in your fear and he was speaking to uh ben rubin of change collective an amazing entrepreneur and this guy will have you unpack your stuff for you so that you can look at your life from different perspectives. And it was it was profound because um, my point there is I talk to so many entrepreneurs. I am an entrepreneur. When we kicked off even today's episode four, you know, there's so much fear involved, fear to send the email to the VC, fear to get up in the morning and say, I still believe that I'm going to build this thing and drag everyone along with me up the fucking mountain. <laughs> And it makes sense, and I can do that, and we will do that. And so with that comes a profound amount of anxiety about fear of failure. Because here's the interesting thing that I took away. If entrepreneurs believe that they are – entrepreneurs have this mindset. I am supposed to solve this problem. I am supposed to build this product. I am supposed to help millions of people. If you have that mindset – Imagine anyone being able at any given day to deal with the amount of anxiety that also brings. Because what if you haven't figured it out yet? What if you've been working on that for three years and it's not coming together? Or what if you've been trying to build or solve that problem for 20 years? And it's still not exactly that straight line that a lot of people envision. Like, I haven't quite gotten there. Maybe I've tried four times. Maybe maybe I'm on my fifth startup. Maybe I'm working in technology, but I have this burning. Like, there's just this unbelievable heap of anxiety that comes with being an entrepreneur because of the, and quite funnily enough, it's the innate, um, it's your own mindset, right? 
that 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 kind of triggers that anxiety and then that can put you kind of in anyway our theme today the beauty of our theme and that's why i wanted to kind of contradict it not contradict it but our theme today is finding and creating happiness so as an entrepreneur the best companies products really and this may sound funny comes from a place of love love for people love for solving problems whatever but it comes from a good positive happy state passion yeah you want to make money yeah you want to change things yeah you want to be the number one product in your market whatever but it usually hopefully comes from recognizing a pain point wanting to solve it and going so anyway i'm rambling a yeah. bit but it's it's well, important so that people out there know i agree that they're not alone in that fear and that's why yesterday's listening to that podcast was so empowering and enriching because you know i say this to members and 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 you'll let me know what you think because i can see you're burning to <laughs> <laughs> burning to provide feedback but let me tell you i have been experiencing my own personal um exploration again of, of feeling quite burned out right those that are pretty close to me they can tell right i've been going at it for about 15 months without vacation without break and we get to these intervals and then that's when we're really susceptible to depression and anxiety because we're now on top of everything no matter how passionate no matter how invigorating we're just fucking tired mm. and so those are good times to really check back in check back in with yourself and remember like that finding and creating happiness why well, i think it's like there's like this really um great uh intersection of there has to be um balance and i'm not a big advocate for balance cuz it's not a straight line nothing's fucking balanced no but i think you can have i a 100% agree with what you're saying and i think i know he, you feel that way i definitely feel that way and i think what i struggle with is the up and down of it that one day i feel so happy and like the next day i can be sitting on my couch just feeling like the world is crashing down around me and it's and little things it doesn't have to be a big failure like you know yes obviously we're afraid of the big failures but we're afraid of the little failures too all the little failures all the little failures the one email rejection from a vc we're yeah. afraid of that in this yeah. in some ways as much as we are afraid oh, yeah. of something big um yeah. and i actually was writing as answering some reporter questions this morning and she asked me what is your definition of success and mm. i was like look i'd be lying if my definition wasn't partly i want to build a really friggin amazing company and solid and be on the cover of Forbes. Yes, success check. But actually every day that we put out a press release that one VC responds to me, that one employee comes in and tells me that they're happy, that whatever it is each of those tiny things are successes because yeah. what they all added together just mean that I'm still here. Yep. I have survived. Yep. I have a company. Yep. I am doing it. Yep. You know, that, that is really, um, you know, what we're looking for. Uh, and, and I think that's how we find happiness really in celebrating all of those tiny successes. Yeah. I, I mean, I want to I want to amplify that a little bit. So the interesting thing is is you know people define happiness all day long in their own way in their own and a lot of times I feel like people think that happiness has to be acquired somehow. You know the funny thing is is a lot of times and I talk to this about oh, I talk about this with all sorts of people. Some people say when you finally do what you were meant to do in life, you know, you'll find happiness. But that's bullshit, right? That like yeah. that's like that's a really in fact that's a dangerous mindset. Um you can literally with your circumstances today, quite frankly, you can just be happy or not about that. Hmm. Um you can be happy in the struggle. You should be happy in the struggle. Cuz you know, if you don't want to be happy in the struggle, then stop it. Yeah. Change something. So uh anyway, the other cool thing, there's a couple of cool things that you just said. the constant change so change is a constant as an entrepreneur especially as a startup entrepreneur where there's no resources so you you get an idea you find people who are passionate about the idea they help you you find some funding or you bootstrap you build it yourself then maybe you find some funding whatever like there's so much change constantly 
that resiliency and happiness is very much connected. So think of resiliency as this piece of rubber, if the listeners can envision something. And it's like hard and it, like nothing can bend it or whatever. So that's the opposite of resiliency. But think of like a rubber band and you can pull it in all directions and you can crumble it up, you can throw it against the wall, it, it'll, it won't break or anything. Like a mm. rubber band, you can go in all directions. Well, that's the same thing. <laughs> like in life, resiliency is, is part of a key to going with the motions of this thing called life. So as an <laughs> entrepreneur, you know, if you're going through all this ups and downs and lefts and rights and sends and rejections and mm. no money and money and no, you're not going to cut it, resiliency, I swear to God, is the one thing. It's like a muscle. you got to work that muscle. Yeah, and, and sometimes you feel sad too, right? Like sometimes part of being resilient oh is sometimes God. you feel happy and sometimes you feel sad and you got to just kind of embrace both. Yeah. Embrace both. Sometimes I feel sad and I say to myself, I'm not going to judge myself for sitting and yeah. eating ice cream and watching Grey's Anatomy because <laughs> that is what I need right now right. to get to yeah. tomorrow. And I think yeah. that's kind of what we're always trying to do is get to tomorrow. Yep. Do we have anything else before any, any other exciting things from this week that we want to talk about? I heard uh, Tap Influence hired a new CEO. They did. And um, it would just be normal stuff, I guess, for another cool boulder company to hire a new CEO. But I feel like it's pretty awesome. So when I read the news last week that they brought in a new female leader, a CEO, who happens to be a woman of color, I thought, awesome. I just thought that that was really great. It is. Really I just great. thought it was really freaking awesome. It well, was really important. It was really great. And it's here in Colorado and good on you tap influence leadership and board members and, you know, in a, in a really positive way. And I just thought it was just, it was just really great. It was just really great. Yeah, it's really exciting to see ambitious women and women of color increasingly in the CEO position. That's what we need. More yep. female CEOs. I think that's what we're all looking for here. Yep. Uh, what's important there, you know, I still believe if if you don't see it, you, you can't become it. And we've got to put the, all sorts of female leadership in positions of power so that young girls and college kids and quite frankly, all of us can see that diversity is important. We want to amplify that. And you know what? You can come in all sorts of variations and be a phenomenal leader. It, it's, it, it doesn't deter that. It doesn't deter that. But it's just wonderful to see more of it. So good I, on Colorado, good on TAP Influence. It's wonderful. Um, I wish them the best of success. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I got one quick side note. So I've known another entrepreneur for a long time. Her name is Sandra Bergman. And I sat down with her um, uh, at, the, at the beautiful new Denver uh, Union Station, which if you haven't been there yet, I mean, Do everyone it. needs to visit it out of town and eat town. at mercantile because it's amazing it's just like so <laughs> beautifully done it's such a beautiful place in denver like everyone needs to see it. it's just, just gorgeous so anyway we hung out there for a little bit and she told me what she's up to and you know what's interesting that i wanted to bring up you know we have listeners from all over the world we have listeners from certainly all over the u.s but all over the world and what's really challenging for a lot of folks out there a lot of entrepreneurs a lot of female entrepreneurs is what does their startup communities look like? We have an incredible startup community here in Denver, Boulder, Fort Collins, Colorado Springs, like Colorado is, you know, has an amazing. amazing economic, you know, um, uh, support for us as, as, as startup entrepreneurs and startup communities. And it can be really daunting. So inter interestingly enough, you know, I'm sitting down with her and we're, you know, comparing notes and I, and I asked her again, like, you know, quite frankly, like, so listen, how supportive is it to be an entrepreneur in, in Denmark? You know, how are things, you know, in Copenhagen and in your side of the world? Because she travels between Denver and um, uh, Boulder and Copenhagen and South Africa because she actually has, um, she's like in the uh, food and beverage world big time. 
um, from a marketing and PR standpoint. Um, she runs a, a refresh agency. She has for like mm. 15 years, very successfully. So anyway, she started this new company called the Passion Institute. You know, she's real personal development. And it was fascinating because, you know, there she is, and she has this unbelievable connection here into Boulder and Denver and has for over a decade, right? And every time she's here, it's just really different. Um, and what I noticed is, you know, even female entrepreneurs, I think, you know, her feedback was really positive. Like, oh, man, it just, you know taking the bull by the horn and like really, you know, focus on what you want to achieve and, and women are powerful and strong and mm. they're set in sail to, to get shit done. And I feel like there's a lot of places, of course, that doesn't have that collective body of support. And I mean, as a ecosystem, right? So we need our listeners to get involved. Well, so exactly right. So, you know, I want to hear from our listeners, like, where are you listening from? What are your startup communities like? Tell us on Facebook, on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Women Who Startup. Please use the hashtag um, Women Disrupt. And, and quite frankly, you can just go to womenwhostartup.co.co and uh, send us an email if you want to let us know. What does your startup communities look like where you are in the world? If you are a woman who startup, even if you have a day job, whatever, what does it look like? What are you missing? What, what, what could help you? What is missing from your startup ecosystem from where in the world you are? Like, that's what I really wanted to make sure that I made note of for our incredible listeners. Because if there's pain and, and a real disconnect, I feel like so many entrepreneurs are just so isolated. So, you know, how can we provide more information just so they can start tapping in virtually? You know what I mean? There's so many incredible online um, resources. Totally agree. And before I forget, let yes. me jump in and talk about Think Global for two minutes. Oh, yes. Speaking of people who are doing things around, especially around the U.S., yep. awesome programs. Amy, Sarah, and her husband, Steve, started Think Global Institute, yep. which is a, it's like a, it's kind of an accelerator for women-owned businesses, but they don't take equity. It's like a nominal fee, and you spend, I think, six months participating in the program, and they give you coaching, and it's really about they want to help you know, women entrepreneurs take their business to the next level. And every time, every time I talk to them, I am inspired. And I'm not just inspired by what they're doing. They have a great mission. But the integrity with which they do it, like just they care so much about women and they feel like too many women in business are taken advantage of and, you know, paying too much for services and getting advice that they don't really need. And it, it, it just, I don't know, I... I get goosebumps just thinking about them because yeah. they're amazing. Yeah, I have um, a lot of respect for, for Amy and Steve. I've known them since the minute they set foot here in Denver. I adore them both and their new beautiful daughter, Valentina. Yeah. What an awesome <laughs> little family. And you know what's amazing? Like every time I walk into Galvanize, which is a, a co-working ecosystem here in Denver and all over the country now, but every time I walk in there, and Amy and Steve are hanging out with some one of their accelerator companies. Yeah. Valentina's like hanging out on the couch. I know. Which I love, uh, you know? know? Like there's an interesting thing that we could talk about there on a future yeah. uh, episode bring, about. Um, bring your babies with you well, everywhere. Well, just Americans like and family. You know, I, I, know. I grew up everywhere and I turned out semi-okay, right? <laughs> Agreed. But um, yeah, Think Global Institute. Um, we should have phenomenal. Amy on the show. Amy, when you listen Amy to this, Steve. we can have them both. <laughs> we can have Amy and Steve. Um, they're they're amazing, and what they've done for women all over the world, by the way. I love it. Yeah. All right. So today our theme has been finding and creating happiness. And I think we've covered it. I think we've talked about a lot of it. And we have this awesome guest yes, who's going to help us yes. explore the theme a bit further. With us today is oh and you're gonna have to correct me just in case i mumble up the beautiful last name of yours it's nikki kaborlis kaborlis yeah kaborlis yeah. uh nikki kaborlis in the house here with us our guest for episode four um you are the founder and ceo of bold betty's welcome nikki thank you i'm happy to be here yeah right i'm excited <laughs> <laughs> um nikki do us a favor tell us a little bit about yourself tell the listeners how did you land in Denver, Colorado? All right. Um, well, I am 30 fabulous. I am happily divorced. 
Um, <laughs> I am a Washington native originally, um, and I got to Denver about two years ago, but I took a pretty circuitous route. So I went Seattle, Chicago, L.A., Abu Dhabi, Santiago, Denver. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and all of that was within um, a four-year period, so covered right. a lot of ground. Right. Wow. Right. I know a little bit of your story because, you know, for those who are fortunate enough to be here in the Colorado region uh, who come to the monthly Women Who Startup Base Camps, you have been one of my guests. But, uh, you know, Krista hasn't heard the amazing story and certainly not a lot of our listeners. So um, it was, like you said, a pretty wiggly waggly zigzag road of how you got to Denver. There's a profound life changing kind of piece of your like a big chapter there's, yeah. a, there's a big chapter from dubai right where if i just got to know you a little bit um maybe it is important maybe it isn't important but i do believe you were in a position where you were making buku cash you were in dubai for god's sake you had a career you weren't very happy though right you also your words, not mine. You weren't very healthy, no. maybe. And people haven't quite yet heard what Bold Betty's is, but I'd like you to tell me that story just a little bit. Tell our listeners that story a little bit so that we can understand that big revelational, you know, chapter from Dubai being kind of unhappy but making a lot of money <laughs> and how it didn't really make you happy because we're talking about happiness. Sure. So, Bring me on that journey. All right. Um, well, I would say, I would start by saying that there were about 15 years of my life um, where every major decision I made was motivated by like this crushing need for security because mm -hmm. I was raised, you know, to really value making money. And so security yeah. and, and financial success were kind of synonymous to me. So every school I went to, every job I took, the career I chose, the man I married, all of that motivated by this desire for security. Yep. And five years ago, I found myself wrapped up in my secure little world, you know, with this great career, making tons of money, married to the safe choice. Um, and I was miserable. I was obese. I was eating and drinking to excess just to self-medicate, I guess. I was working 14 to 18 hours a day right. in a job that – it was a good job, but I didn't love it. I wasn't right. passionate about what I was doing. I wasn't making a difference. Right. Um, and I was four and a half years into a marriage that I'd wanted out of since before my first wedding anniversary. Hmm. So it kind of, everything sort of came crashing down when I had a really close friend of mine commit suicide. And hmm. it just made me feel like life is short. What am I doing? I could die tomorrow and I'm not taking advantage of my time here. Right. Not living, I'm not in the driver's seat of my life, basically. Right. Um, because I knew there were things I wanted, obviously I wanted to be healthy. Um, I wanted to have a good relationship with my significant other, and yeah. I wasn't in love with my ex-husband. And I wanted to own my own company. That had always kind of been my dream that I just sort of poo-pooed because it was <laughs> risky, and I was mm. too afraid to do it. Mm. So five years ago, here three years ago, sorry, here I was in Abu Dhabi. Um, all of these things kind of going on, me waking up and realizing, okay, I've built this secure little world. It hasn't brought me the happiness I thought it would. And in fact, this isn't the life I want. Right. And to get out of this, it's going to take some seriously bold moves. You yeah. know, it's not like small changes are going to get me where I want to go. Right. So that's where it all started. Right. The first I, can I just take a moment and say I am literally moved to tears <laughs> by this story. Yeah. No, and it's And good. I just can't – I don't know. I can't tell you how I think so many of us have I, – I mean, I think I, – I wasn't, I think, in as um, – intense a situation as you were, but I wake up every day today and feel so happy that I took that, this huge leap to become an entrepreneur. And it's really inspiring to, uh, to hear that you took an even bigger one. So really Thank congratulations you. on that. Thanks. Yeah. That's a great note. That's a great note. So Nikki, go ahead. So, all right. Um, so the first thing I did uh, was I guess I started on the outside and kind of went in. And so the first thing I did was I joined this awesome 90-day clean eating and fitness challenge. Oh, that's right. That yeah. culminated in a bikini photo shoot, which is terrifying you know, to me. Yeah, yeah, right? Like I hadn't let anyone take a picture of me in a swimsuit since before I had boobs. <laughs> 
knew that wasn't going to happen. Um, but that was seriously motivating, you yeah. know, and kept me on track. And after I did that, I felt like I mean, I motivating. Could... I mean, you were you scared shitless? Or I was. You needed, did you need that? I I think I needed that. I mean, I was so desperate at that point that I was going to be committed to the program anyway. Right. But knowing that I was going to be appearing in a swimsuit, it was a goal. Maybe. Yeah, and it made it easier to stick with you know clean eating. But after I finished that photo shoot, I was terrified walking into it. But after I finished mm-hmm. that photo shoot, I just felt like. I can do anything, huh? you know, I'm on top of the world. Look what I did. And especially yeah. because so many people, my then husband included, right. when I st- uh, started that program were right. saying, you're, you're never going to stick with it. That's too hard. It's ridiculous. Huh. So, you know, it felt just amazing. And after that, it was like, okay, what am I going to tackle next? Yeah. Well, the next thing was to get rid of the unsupportive husband. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> I literally went to the Dominican Republic and in a weekend walked away from my marriage wow. um, and my money basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had to do that because we were living overseas. That was the only way we could do it and have it recognized in the U.S. Um, So that happened. And then the next sort of bold move I made was to leave my job in Abu Dhabi, um, working for the government over there. And I took a job running a tech company in Santiago, Chile. Mm. Um, So moved across the world again. And Enjoyed that a lot at first, but I was still in the grind of working 14 to 18 hours a day. I mean, in eight months down there, I took one weekend off. Right. It's important to note because, I mean, you shared some of this with me before. You were working like some of us are working when we're starting our own fucking companies. Right. Mm. And you were not happy. No. Okay. Well, it's draining, isn't it? Well, when you're, when you're working like well, that. when you love and... something, an 18-hour day is killing. Yeah. It's yeah. unhealthy. Right. And when you don't, ooh. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Go well, ahead. and the job in Santiago was interesting, um, but, you know, I was sort of having these panic attacks of waking up at the end of my life just full of regret about huh. how I'd spent my time here. And I didn't want to spend my life inside four walls. You know, I really wanted to have more meaningful relationships. I wanted to be a more interesting person. Like whenever I would talk to my friends or family back home and they'd say, Oh, what are you up to? What are you been doing? Work. You know, I did not have anything else to talk about other than work because that was all I did. Um, And then uh, at the end of 2012, part of my scope for that company was to open a U.S. office. And um, me, the CEO and the founder were involved in making the decision for where to put it. I wanted the Bay Area. They both said Denver, which I was completely against. <laughs> right, right. You weren't convinced, right? No, I, like, I said, I don't want to go to that hick town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's important to note because that was your uh, assumption. Yeah. yeah, it was my, yeah, my, my prejudice, I guess. I hadn't even been here, so sure. um, not accurate at all. And uh, not like Seattle is that cosmopolitan. Um, so I took my first trip to Denver three weeks later. It was January of 2013. Mm-hmm. And... Um, over about seven weeks, I was traveling back and forth between Denver and Santiago, working on opening up an office here. Right. And after seven weeks, uh, we decided to put the office in Miami instead. Um, so I got on a plane and went to Miami and got off the plane and said, I can't do this. <laughs> I just couldn't. I don't know. Um, Colorado had captivated me. Yep. I liked the openness of the geography and of the people. Yep. I liked the landscape. And it was the only place I'd ever been where I actually thought like work-life balance was attainable. Right. I always thought before that was just something people talked about, but hmm. it was kind of BS. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, Miami, I was just like, I can't even see myself living here for a day. So I told the CEO I would finish opening up the Miami office, and then I was going to leave the company and relocate to Denver, hmm. which is what I did. So June of 2013, moved to Denver full-time. Um, and instead of looking for a job right away, which was kind of, you know, my natural instinct, I decided to force myself to take the rest of the year off and, um, do all the things that I couldn't do when I was just working all the time and basically like figure out who I was at 32 years old, 33 years old. Yeah. I mean, that was a big moment of self-exploration. And I would say that was then, uh, and you tell us a little bit, but the evolution of Bold Betty's then. That's when it started. So tell me about that. So, because I um, believe it begins with community. Yes, if I'm not mistaken, it does. Okay. Um, well, and that came basically over those seven months that I took, I was taking that time off. I spent, I don't even know how much time outdoors, but hiking, camping, backpacking, traveling, um, you know, skiing, you name it. And I was either doing that by myself because other people were working, yeah, suckers, um, <laughs> or or I was doing that with girlfriends because I was really focused on, you know, meeting other women, making friends in my new home. Um, and it was a blast. Mm. <laughs> it was so much fun. And I'd never done that all-girl thing before. Um, 
because usually if I were going outdoors, I mean, there are always guys around. I was a bit of a tomboy growing up, had a lot of boyfriends, guy friends, <laughs> not a lot of boyfriends. Um, and they were always the ones instigating that, you know? Mm-hmm. So in my mind, it was kind of like, it was never going to happen without a guy at the helm. Um, but what you realize pretty quickly is like, A, you can enjoy it on your own, but B, you don't need a guy around um, to do a lot of that stuff. And a lot of it I just assumed was going to be difficult. Same way, like mounting a TV. I think I can't do that. But then I had a girlfriend do it. And I'm like, I could actually do that. <laughs> I don't have the yeah. tools, but I could learn how to do that. Right. So, um, you know, th- that time was just really informative for me as far as doing a lot of things that I wasn't comfortable doing or that were new to me yep. um, or that I didn't think I could do before and just proving myself wrong. Mm-hmm. So um, then it, January came, January 2014, time to start looking for a job. Right. So I kind of started just going back to what was comfortable, looking for a job in commercial real estate, and had the idea for Bold Betty's around the same time. And at first it was just sort of I wanted to be able to rent gear and apparel to make it cheaper for women to get outside. Right. And it was like a little fetus kind of growing, 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 and I couldn't really get motivated about the job search um, and so, you know, it was going well, I was doing a lot of contract work, but then around this time last year, I decided to start a meetup group to find other women that were interested in doing the same, th- same things as I was that were going to want to go out and explore Colorado in the summer with me, um, go to festivals, go camping, do whatever, and just really start to understand more about other women and, and what was deterring them yeah. from participating more in the outdoors and adventure travel. I knew what those issues were for me, but I wanted to understand what it was for other women as well. Right. And so my mission with the meetup group was really to get more women involved in those things. Um, And like I said, that was about a year ago. Right, right. And so then along the way there, you're like, bing, there's something else here, right? Yeah. So tell us what is Bold Betty's. All right. So I realize it starts with this community factor. Right. But then you're like, okay, wait a minute. There's a business model here. And the business model you're going to tell us a little bit about. So tell us. What is Bull Betty's today? How did it evolve from that just community aspect? And then we'll go from there. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> um, so, you know, I knew the cost was an issue for a lot of people, you know, not just women. Um, but through the meetup group, I learned that there were three other um, kind of common things keeping women from, from venturing outside. It was intimidation. You know, the industry is obviously very male-dominated. A lot of the marketing that we see is male-dominated, or it's extreme, or it's super fit people. And so average women, like yeah, myself. Skinny people. Yeah. Nothing but skinny people well, in the like North Face you know, like Yeah. Insanely rich people. Um, and so it's not uncommon for people to see that and think, well, I don't look like that, or I can't do what that person's doing, so mm-hmm. I'm not even going to try. Or just be too intimidated to mm-hmm. try because – of those differences physically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that intimidation was very real. And then also women had, you know, ill-conceived notions like I did that, you know, I can't build a fire. I can't chop wood. I can't pitch a tent. I can't carry all my, you know, gear on my back for three days. Um, so that intimidation factor was very real. And then the other two were kind of more of a surprise to me. Well, one of them was a surprise, but um, <laughs> the third one was that women wanted um, – the right environment and the right people with whom to try these things. Sure. Nobody, you know, wants to like join a 14 or meetup group and be the one slowing down the <laughs> right. whole group or not able to summit. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. Same yeah. with all the rock climbing groups. You know, those are fanatics. Those are people that are really, um, you know, yeah, doing that on a regular basis. Different level too. Yeah. And they're competitive, right? They're good at it, but it's not the kind of environment that's going to be welcoming or inviting for a beginner who wants to be able to fumble through it and feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, a lot of women get introduced to outdoor activities from a man in their life, whether it's a brother, boyfriend, husband, friend, whatever. Um, and that usually doesn't go so well. Uh, I remember trying to teach one of my boyfriends how to ski and that definitely ended in a fight. <laughs> So um, a lot of women just really wanted a safe environment, kind of nice people that they felt comfortable in front of that weren't going to make them feel inadequate for not progressing quickly enough, for looking funny, wearing the gear or whatever, you know, their hang up might be. And then the fourth one was just logistics. Like people are busy. People have a lot of shit going on and it's hard to figure out where to go, who to go with, what do I need? Um, and having somebody else do all that for them was, was pretty nice. So those four kind of deterrents helped shape the offering for what became Bold Betty's um, and what we're building today, which is intended to eventually become a comprehensive women's adventure resource. Cool. 
and today, you, just to simplify for the listeners, I mean, you are basically providing a platform for women or for anyone really, but your market is women, mm-hmm. to rent outdoor gear right. for a certain period of time so that they get into a new adventure sport or try something new. Right. right? Yeah. So in August, we launched the beta site, right. which is where you can rent all the gear and apparel. We're also selling um, gear and apparel there now nice. as well for people that know they you know, like a product and want to buy it. Cool. Um, that's where you can also find our library of content, which is all designed to deal with that intimidation factor and sort of show that, um, show through pictures, show through words that adventure is not just for men or for, you know, really fit people. Um, and then that's also where you can find our community and, you know, join us on a, on an adventure. The long-term plan for the website and the community is to have our own mini social network there mm. um, where it would you'd be able to um, you know search for other bold Bettys in your area that have similar interests as you and you can message them privately and go off and you know go hiking together go try something if there's not a bold Bettys meetup group in your area or if you're not ready to go out with a larger group um, so that is going to take a while to to happen right now we're sort of running all that through the meetup group and we're working on expanding outside of Denver as we speak. Cool. Um, so we, and what's interesting is women will sign up for a trip to go somewhere with 12 other women they've never met for an entire weekend. Yep. And that kind of blows my mind, but everything we do, it, it runs the gamut. And the point is variety. The point is to get exposure to a lot of different things, to try new things and push yourself. So we do some social stuff in town. Like, um, in May, we're going to the Colorado firefighter calendar auditions, which is a good time for everybody. Um, (laughs) but then we do get out a lot. Sometimes it's just a day hike. Sometimes it's, you know, just going skiing for the day, but we've spent weekends in the mountains camping. Um, we do a steamboat weekend each year. We went and rode the bike wine trail in Palisade. We did four days in Moab last fall. We're going to do another four next month. So that's the longest trip we've done so far. But later this summer, we'll be doing our first international trip to Kilimanjaro. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could consider it like the Airbnb of adventure travel. So say you're an avid adventure traveler and you um, Uh want to do a trip and you really like planning – you could go into the Bold Bays community, post in the forum, find 10 other women that want to do the same trip as you. They pay 10% more. Your trip is free. Whoa, so that's what cool. I'd like to enable for them to be able to do long term because I can't be traveling around the world all the time, unfortunately, as awesome well, as that would be. Well, maybe you can. Yeah. I think you're <laughs> no, going I tried, down I tried that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like in this context. You never know. You could be traveling like six months out of the year if, yeah. if that's what makes you happy. Oh, it does make me happy, tick, but yeah. it won't make the business um, you know what? You know what's interesting though? Something you could explore, which is like almost plugging into a corporate wellness program. Because how interesting would it be if you started to talk to big executive leaders and it's a completely different way to say, hey, this is a cool way for some of my employees to go and go on an adventure. It could be even like a company. I don't know. It's interesting that you bring that up because um, I'm actually talking to a company right now about developing a pilot program that would be for women they've ident- women with potential in their organization that they're sort of grooming for the C-suite or for leadership positions um, because they see the value and the, you know, the parallel between kind of going outside, trying something new. So imagine a lot of these women from different companies bring brought together and having to figure out how to make a goddamn fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. It is because if you think about it, if you look at – like women and men in the workplace, and I've seen this a lot of the time, um, a man will go for a promotion, go for a new job, even if he's never done it before and doesn't know he can do it. He's like, I'll figure it out. A woman, unless we know that we can kill it, we're not going to put our necks out there. And it's sort of the same thing with, you know, pushing yourself in the outdoors. You don't want to take that risk. So you can gain a lot from taking that risk and seeing like, oh, it's okay to fail or, hey, I'm actually capable of more than I thought I would. And Mm -hmm. just because I haven't done it before doesn't mean I can't do it now. Yeah. So um, it is uh, another avenue that we're exploring, and this pilot program hopefully we'll be able to roll out soon. And if it works, then we'll do it with other companies as well. I think those are fun ideas. So tell yeah. us a little bit about your startup phase. You know, where are you at? Where's the product? How are you looking on revenue? Are you thinking about fundraising? Are you bootstrapping? If someone listening in, in regards to you know maybe they're thinking of setting sail on on being an entrepreneur or starting up. Um, what's your dynamics look like? It's not 
easy, of course, we know that. No, there's a lot of questions. In- <laughs> well, right now we're um, still in beta mode. We're post-revenue, so it's been awesome. Because of the meetup group, you know, I've been in the market since day one, and I get this immediate feedback from my market. So it's kind of a unique um, situation that a lot of startups don't, don't have. And so we've had revenues every month. We haven't marketed it really widely outside the meetup group yet, but um, we were in 5280 this month, and so orders started coming in from outside of Colorado. And when That's I got great. my first, yeah, it was great. I'm like doing a happy dance, and then yeah. I'm like, oh shit, now what? Because <laughs> we don't have our packaging, we don't have you know our inserts and all of that. But yeah. um, so it's a good problem to have for yep. sure. And um, we are actually in the process of fundraising, and the the plan is once that's done to kind of. Uh, aggressively market it to a much wider audience than we have so far. But I've really wanted to not get it perfect because you'll never have something perfect, but I've bootstrapped this up till now and I wanted to be deliberate about my approach mm-hmm. and and smart, I guess. I didn't want to think I know what's right and just, you know, blaze down that path and then figure out I spend a bunch of money and a bunch of time doing something that nobody wants. So I've been kind of experimenting with inventory, experimenting with the revenue streams, really trying to figure out what is the best model. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like we've got a handle on that. And so we're at a point where we could come out of beta, market it aggressively and expand the meetup group outside Denver. Great. It's amazing. I would say I did exactly the opposite when we were starting PDPI. Yeah. We just, we spent tons of money before we figured out really who our target market was and what we were actually selling. So it's good to hear that you went about it the other way. I didn't have a choice. (laughs) I didn't have tons of money to blow on it, um, you know, after taking a year off of work. And, but um, it's, it's worked out well. I mean, we still, so I feel like we've proved the concept. Um, We are post revenue. Now it's just really about getting the word out there and, and growing it and, kind of honing in on on the inventory and the experience. Mm. Um, but the dynamics, I don't even know how to answer that question. Yeah. No, it's yeah. okay. It's okay. Yeah, we don't have to explore that. So what's the biggest challenge for you being an entrepreneur? Um, well, other than fundraising, I guess I wouldn't call that a challenge. i call that a risk. You know, at some point, if I'm unable to raise money, and that's not just now, but that's you know, an ongoing process for the business. If I'm unable to do that, then at some point I run out of money, can't keep pushing it forward. Right. But my biggest challenge, I guess I'll, I'll pick a personal one and a professional one. Um, personally, it's the social life. I don't have, at least when I started this, I didn't have a lot of friends that were in the entrepreneurial world. Mm. And now I'm making more, but they, my friends with the nine to fives don't get it when I don't have time. They think, oh, you, you have your own company. You run your schedule, don't you? And so it's really hard to – like I feel the constant pressure to see my friends, to get together to do things, but I don't have time. Mm. Um, and I guess that does kind of translate into the professional challenge that I have, which is really productivity and time management. Mm. Like Sometimes a whole day will go by. I'm like, what did I do today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I was busy. I was running around the whole time, but what do I have to show for it? And that is frustrating um, because I, I don't like to let grass grow. I like to get shit done, and when I feel like I'm not getting shit done, it frustrates me. So I would say that that's my biggest challenge is really managing that. Um, so you're telling us you're a very patient person. I'm not a patient <laughs> person. <laughs> but I think, too, I think as women, we all – look, one of the things I love about women is that they do get shit done, and we are very, like, task-oriented. I, did, I answered this email. I got this done. But I think a lot of being a CEO, being a leader of something that you're starting, you know, a lot of my days are spent – having lunches with people and just talking to people and getting ideas and, you know, just that interaction because that is as, that is as important, like going to startup events is as important as sitting down and answering emails in a lot of ways. And I think it's a hard thing for all of us. So all I would tell you is that we all struggle with that. Um, and I certainly these days I'm trying to just embrace it and also hire a virtual assistant because that changed my life and they're not very expensive. Mine lives in Costa Rica and she's awesome. Nice. So definitely virtual assistant, um, did great at that. And I was going to, I was going to tell you two things. One, I really hope you start a group for female entrepreneurs. I will join that adventure travel group. If you send a bunch of us out, great idea. Um, and I, and I think too, this is an amazing, I think a, your story is amazing for women entrepreneurs, but what you're doing is a great thing because you're right that as entrepreneurs, we do get a bit focused inward and having like, I, I play roller derby and I love playing roller derby and I love it because I get out, you know, once a week, although I haven't been in too long now, but once a week 
and you're just doing something that is not your business with people who are not your colleagues or startup people or anything. And that is so refreshing. Like you come out of that two or three hours and you're like, I feel amazing. Like I just got out of my head a little bit. So I think, I just think the idea of your company is really, just really amazing. And I am really glad to have had you here. Yeah. So how do we want to close this out, LaSalle? Um, Should we ask how can people learn more? Yes. And support you? Always. (laughs) How can people learn more? Tell us your website, how they can reach you on social media, please. Yep. Any cool upcoming events, anything you have in mind that you want to share with the listeners? Tell us, please. Um, Well, we can be found on our meetup group, which is just meetup.com, and you can search for Bold Betty's there. You can go to our website and find both the the website and the meetup group there as well. It's www.boldbettysoutfitters.com or boldbettys.com. Either one will take you there. Um, We are on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, um, at Bold Betty's, yeah. It's pretty much Bold Betty's or Bold Betty's Outfitters on all of them. Great. Um, and so, yeah, you can support us by following us, um, joining the meetup group, obviously spending money on the website. We just yesterday um, launched our first product of Bold Betty's branded merchandise. We've got some super cute T-shirts. Nice. Um, and we've got a ton of awesome events coming up. We're having our anniversary party for the meetup group at Wash Park next month. No so, kidding. Yeah, and actually men and babies and all those things that normally aren't allowed <laughs> are invited this time. Um, and, come with your uh, tribe. It's going to be fun. Come with, yeah, come with a good attitude. We're going to do field day style, ga- style games like in elementary school. Oh, um, And uh, we're doing the Moab trip the first weekend in May. We've got the Colorado firefighter calendar thing coming up. There's going to be just a slew of really, really kick-ass events all summer long. So if you're new to Colorado and there's stuff you wanted to try, chances are we're doing it. Mm-hmm. But if we're not doing it, you can join the meetup group and you can lead the event yourself. Join our rewards program and you will get points for leading that event that then translate into dollars off anything on our website. Oh, that's so cool. So you can awesome. do the stuff you love, get rewarded for it, and then buy the stuff you want for less. Damn. Invest in the community. Get your gear. I, I love mean, it. You kind of, I think you kind of know what you're doing. I think, <laughs> I'm well, figuring it out. <laughs> you're figuring it out along the way. Um, any other final thoughts for our guest, Krista? No, just that it was a real pleasure. And yeah. we're glad. We're ext- I'm extremely happy, and I know Lizelle is too, to be able to count you in our Colorado group of women entrepreneurs and now our podcast group of women entrepreneurs. Exactly. Exactly. Thanks a ton for sharing your story. It's always inspirational. Um, there's only so much textbooks teach us about entrepreneurship. Stories help us understand that collectively all our intrinsic fears and the things that intimidate us are at a human level. We all have them. So the more stories I believe other female entrepreneurs here and quite frankly, just other entrepreneurs here, it, I think it makes us a little braver. It, it gives us a little bit more oomph. It gives us a little bit more, oh, okay. It is hard. It is tough. But you know what? If if she can, if he can, I sure as shit can try. Hey. And I'm going to. And I can call on all these people and say, hey, can you give me some pointers? You know, you're not alone. It's not some isolation game. Entrepreneurship is a team sport. Um, and especially for the newbies, Thank you for joining us today, Nikki. We would love to hear, uh, listeners, your thoughts and questions. We want you to tweet us at Women Who Start Up or by using the hashtag Women Disrupt or email us or really anything, and we will respond to you by whatever medium you choose. It's true. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from the listeners. We want to know if these guest speakers inspire you to be bold old Betty's. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even mean for that to be so perfect. Um, uh, Which is why I'm just going to tell Nikki that her name of her company is brilliant. It is awesome. It's quite clever and simple. Um, We need some reviews. Yes, we do. If you want to continue to support us, what do they need to do? Uh, They just have to listen, obviously, and then go to (laughs) iTunes and tell us us what you think and leave us a review. Yes, please leave us reviews if you listen to us on iTunes. If you're listening to us on SoundCloud, uh, I'd love to see your comments. I'd love for you to share this on Facebook and Twitter. If you're on Stitcher, 
share that if you're i don't know you're basically gonna, anything anywhere but and side that, note oh yes. i'm sorry no, no, no. Side, note, side note someone in the world needs to disrupt podcast software yes on well, android so someone do that if right. one of our listeners is uh yeah any uh women who code out there well, right. what are you saying make it easier for i'm just saying make it better make it better it's terrible yeah yeah it's terrible yeah Anyway, we're done here. We're done. We're here. done here. We're done here. <laughs> um, it was great, uh, as always, to sit down with um, my lovely co-host, Krista Morgan, here from the P2B Investor Office in Denver, Colorado. Um, and a huge thank you to Aaron and Leah, uh, without whom we would definitely not be here today. We probably wouldn't even be dressed. We would, God. <laughs> we, we would literally have nothing without yeah. them. <laughs> we'll put our show notes on womanwhostartup.co. Follow us on Facebook, Women Who Startup. Follow us on Twitter, at Women Who Startup. Talk at us with the hashtag Women Disrupt. Um, thank you, people. Keep climbing. We'll see you in episode five. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Women Who Start Up Radio with Lizelle Van Buren and Krista Morgan. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to tell everyone you know to subscribe on iTunes. Check out our website, womenwhostartup.co, and follow us on Twitter at Women Who Start Up. And don't forget our hashtag, Women Disrupt. This has been a Women Who Start Up production. Join us next time for another edition of Women Who Start Up Radio.